1: Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit MFM.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. A choice right now, right now, between fear and love. It's
2: just a, it's a Out of the dark night of ignorance and into the shining light of truth...
0: Expounding reality. A population of citizens
1: capable of critical thinking. We don't see things as they are, we see them as we are. There's a level of reality where everything dissolves into an ocean of energy. We empower our
2: experience by insisting on our authenticity.
0: That's Wow, really very,
1: very.
0: Expanding Reality.
2: Welcome to Expanding Reality. I am your host, Brandon Thomas. On this incredibly cool episode, Jeremy Ryan Slate, the creator of the podcast, Create Your Own Life, as well as the author of the book, From Remarkable to Extraordinary. His Commander brand has actually hooked us up with a very cool guest coming up very soon. You guys are going to love. So all the ways to find him located down in the show notes, all the ways to find and support us located down there as well. Stick around at the end here, guys, for some new affiliates that we have that we're very excited about. But in the meantime, and without any further ado, Jeremy Ryan Slate welcoming to the show, Jeremy Ryan Slate. Dude, you are awesome. Uh, Your uh, assistant, Rebecca, reached out and we started talking about uh, getting another guest that we do have booked on, but then she and I started talking about you. I wanted to know more about your company, more about uh, who is sending uh, this incredible person my way. And here you are, my friend. So uh, for my audience not too familiar with you, I'm gonna be linking all the ways to find you in the show description down there. Guys, check those for sure. Uh, But for those not too familiar, if you don't mind, my friend, introduce yourself for those of the audience here.
0: Yeah, uh, my name is Jeremy Slate. I'm the uh, co-founder and CEO of Command Your Brand. I've also hosted a podcast since 2014 called the Create Your Own Life Show. And uh, we get in a lot of trouble. We talk about a lot of topics you're not supposed to touch um, because I think those are some of the most important
2: ones in the world, man. Well, give me an example. What's uh, one of the topics that we're not supposed to touch? Touch the shit um, out of it here, dude. Okay, so we get into politics a lot. And it's
0: it's interesting because I find myself to be more of like a, like a moderate libertarian type. Um, but at the same time, like, I feel like the far left and the far right drive me insane. And I want to have conversations that like matter to real people. So sometimes we're talking about like, you know, what things should we be talking about in schools or, you know, what things uh should we be talking about in terms of the family. So it's like, I really want to dive into things that actually matter to real people. I'm just tired of all the bullshit of like, um, you know, this person's calling that person a name and that person's calling that person a name. Like it's not communication, man. And I think when you look at it, most people are somewhere in the middle and just want to get along and you know those are the conversations I'm trying to have because they're what matter to people's real lives.
2: Yeah, dude, we shake it up at the end of this thing. Every single episode ends with you all just be good to one another. Like that's what it really is at the core. Yeah. Uh, and I'm with you about this and that's one of our things here as well. Like we're not uh, just talking about UFOs and amazing folks like yourself. We're we're here uh, installing opportunities for critical thinking. And that's what really this yeah. is all about, right? Just at least acknowledging the possibilities of what you're being presented may not be a hundred percent. And that's all you need is that one little sliver of possible alternative. And that just sets you free. And it sounds yeah. like again, that uh, you and I are on a very aligned mission to give people back to themselves. Now your yes. uh, book, uh, tell tell us about your book, man. So I wrote a
0: book um, and it's been through a little bit of a journey itself. I wrote a book th- four years ago now at this point called unremarkable to extraordinary it was supposed to come out last year and then like i don't know if you've seen but like the publishing industry is kind of like a shitstorm right now um, that's why we and- started
2: one we founded <laughs> our own publishing house yeah yeah so it's we'll like i know even for your next one
0: okay because i know even scribe media like collapsed last week which which shocked the hell out of me because they're one of the bigger ones in like that kind of hybrid space but our publisher on the day of like the book was coming out was like so you know how people say they can't get your book this morning even though they bought it <laughs> Yeah, we just went out of business. I'm like, okay, that was really good to know now that I've put like $30,000 in marketing money behind this and everything else. So basically what happened is we had thousands of people buy the book, thousands of people get emails being told them, hey, like your order has been canceled. Um, And then we had to kind of figure out like, what the fuck to do with this thing? And um, basically we tabled it for them. We reached out to another really great, it actually ended up being a better situation for us as we ended up hooking up with Morgan James Publishing. And... um, this year it actually came out for realist time. (laughs) And it's really about the idea of like, I'm somebody that I don't know how to explain this, but like, I think most personal development is bullshit and it's a a personal development book for people that hate personal development you know like what is real life about you know like what you know what are the things i learned from the former ca director like what have i learned from a four-time 8500 champion like what have i learned from somebody that's played in the world series and, and won a world series like because i think those things are real applicable in life and you can do them right i i think most people They're not at an awareness level yet to be able to look at things from more of a spiritual perspective. So they kind of need more of that, like, what can I do? Tell me what to do. And I think once you kind of get some success, you can get a little bit more connected. But I think for a lot of people, it's hard to do it off the bat, man. So like, I want to give people something you can do, repeat, and uh, really take action in man.
2: Yeah, actionability, man. That's what it, that's exactly what we're talking about here. And to put forth, you know, it's almost like a Napoleon Hill sort of thing that what you did here is you went and you consulted In a, way. a lot of folks, yeah, that you found valuable and then filtered it through your own uh, interpretation and insight and then made it your own, man. So, what what's one of the best things that you've learned with creating this book? You know, what's the, the the best thing that I learned, frankly, because I feel
0: like, too, when you put something together like that, there's also the experience of what you get out of it, creating it. And my master's degree is in early Roman Empire propaganda. So, like, I wrote this whole 100-page thesis on, like, how Caesar Augustus convinced people he was God. So, like, my I, I use a lot of what my dad calls $100 words. You know, so like the thing I had to learn was how to actually take those and actually put it in a way that it's like way other people can experience, right? I had to like learn how to write differently. So in putting this book together, I had to learn a whole new way of communicating and a whole new way of writing. So actually what I ended up doing um, is I started the whole thing in Google Docs and I used a lot of uh, transcriptions from episodes, which I put together and synthesized, brought in some voice notes and stuff like that. And... It was a lot of gobbledygook to be honest so i had to learn how to take that and then make it into a narrative that's helpful so frankly i learned a big skill like how to actually take very academic writing and turn it into something that can help people so that's one part of it the other part of it is is when you look at people that have done incredible things there's really only like five or six things that they all do that are pretty close to the same and i think when you when you look at it it's they're willing to confront really 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 fucking hard things and I think most people will look at a situation and they'll go the opposite way, or they'll want to sit and drink a beer on their couch, whatever it may be. But I'm, I'm talking about when people look at that and they say, that is scary as hell. I'm going to sit here and think about it for a second, and I'm going to go for it because I'm going to come out the other side better. So there's just, there's so much that you can really learn from that and apply in your life. Um, so, you know, like I got a t- ton out of it as a writer, but at the same time, I think there's some incredible stuff that people can actually use in their everyday life.
2: Give me your number one thing. Folks are going to be listening to this going, "Okay, yeah. I need an actionable takeaway. G- give us a number one that folks can start right now."
0: That's really hard cuz there's
2: so many. I, I can know. I give you a couple? Is that yeah, okay? Like, yeah, don't limit okay. yourself. I just you know, one is a minimum. <laughs> one or better, right?
0: Okay. So I'm a, so first of all, I'm a big believer in our education system right now is one of the worst crimes on humanity ever committed. Um and the reason I say that is let's look at like the most MBAs are actually employed by the U S government that should teach us something. Um, so like, I just think a college education isn't as valuable as we want to make it right. Like I come from two very blue collar parents where my dad, didn't finish high school. He later went back and got his GED. So for them, like they really sold me the dream of like you need a college degree because they had been sold the dream of you need a college degree. And I think there's not a ton of value in that anymore unless you're a doctor or a lawyer or something like that. So the thing I think is is really valuable is finding an apprenticeship. And what I mean by that is not like an internship or something like that, an apprenticeship. If you want to go into a career or you want to make a change or you want to do something different, find somebody that's really, really good at that thing and work for them for a little bit, maybe for free. Because you will gain so much experience, so much insight. And the other part about it is you may find just what I found when I was teaching high school, like, fuck, what am I doing here? I don't want to do this. Because I think there's just so much value in that. We've lost the idea of apprenticeships and what that means. And I would love to see the school system kind of get torn up in the future, add an apprenticeship right after high school, which should only be two years anyway. And then people decide if they need to go to college or whatever it may be. So that's one thing is I think finding... Somebody that has what you want, either working with them or for them for a period of time. I think there's so much value in that. The other thing I would say as well um, is just going back to the idea of adversity, is figuring out what the hard things you're doing that you could be doing in your life and confronting them. Because a lot of times when you look at it like a blacksmith's furnace, you throw metal into a blacksmith's furnace, and after some hammering and other things, it comes out very different. And I think that's how we need to approach difficult things in our life. Um, One of the single hardest things that ever happened to me um, in 2012, my mom ended up having a really bad stroke. Um, I was the person that found her and it was just a really difficult situation. It made me look at my life. It made me look at like what I was doing as a career. And I'm like, well, fuck, man, I don't want to be here. And I ended up going from there to trying a bunch of different businesses that didn't work before I founded this agency in 2016. So like, for me, there's so much opportunity in adversity, if you're willing to embrace it, figure out what you can get out of it and how you can become better. It's it's wild because I find out so much of what I've learned is viewpoints and how you see the world. It, you know what I mean? Like how 100%. you see the world, right? Like I'll, you, I'll give you the example of two different people that approach the same place, same city. One person approaches the city and said, fuck this place, man, these people. I don't want to be here. And da, da, da. he gets robbed. Somebody takes his car. Like, you know what I mean? Like all these terrible things happen to him. Other guy approaches the same city and he goes, Man, this place is great. I love this place. Gets a free lunch, makes a couple friends. Somebody gives him money out of nowhere. Your viewpoints have so much to do with the reality you create for yourself. And you are doing yourself a disservice if you have the incorrect viewpoint. That, that's at least my experience.
2: Beautiful. A hundred percent of what we talk about here is perception. It's all perception yeah, based. It even is consensus reality ideas like that. Maybe we're not all even in the same damn place, but like you said, approaching a city, those two people created a multiverse version of that city that exists mm-hmm. simultaneously within it, but you get to yeah. pick which one based on just your decision to choose to do so. It's a fascinating perspective, dude, and we love it here. And I love what you said also. Well, you get
0: what you put your attention on as well, right? Like, so if you decide something is, there's a, uh, you know, whether you're right or wrong, you're going to make it that way, right? So I think, it, it, yeah, anyway. <laughs>
2: dude, you nailed it. We have, a uh, our nephew uh, comes and stays with us. Wife and I have a 12-acre ranch out here. And so when we go out and I get the, you know, T-post slammer, I don't know if you've ever slammed a T-post in hard Texas dirt, but you learned some new customers. I, I
0: did. But I had my finger in it. So that oh, was I, I luckily, oh. I, I don't know how I didn't get stitches. We have, we have six acres here. So it's like, oh. I, I, yeah. Okay. So you know. And so we have
2: this teenager, <laughs> uh, you know, kid that comes out here for the summers. And then uh, I'll grab that thing or grab some stuff and say, all right, let's go outside, you know, put on something you don't mind throwing away or whatever. And we go out and he's on the way out there, on the way to the field. Oh, this is going to suck. This is going to suck. I'm like, well, you've already determined that, haven't you? It's like, you have no <laughs> idea what we're doing, but you've already set the stage that this is going to suck. And I tell you what, it sucked for that kid. Now he learned this throughout the summer and then we would approach things differently and he would then learn to greet them. And honestly, the projects were different for both of us. I had a great time anyway, yeah. but he had a really great time, which made all of us have more fun because simply the lesson you just said, uh, approaching it mentally differently at the onset, this is manifestation. There's all, there's a wonderful study that was done with the basketball players who just sat there and were told to visualize shooting that it's 75% better than the ones that actually physically did. So that actually physically mm-hmm. practiced. it's, powerful dude. And I love what you said also about uh feedback, not failure. That's absolutely yeah. right. Yeah, we resonate just crazy with that, dude.
0: I've been a com- so I'm I'm not anymore in my I'm I turned 36 last week. So I'm closing on Happy 40, but my but thank you. But in my third in my 20s, I was a competitive powerlifter. So you know I'm five six, I was 215 at that point. I'm I'm 180 now. So I've lost a lot of weight. But one of the big things I did before every lift was close my eyes and visualize it. And you would be surprised how much easier that rep is when you open your open your eyes and do it, then when you've closed your eyes and seen yourself do it, do you know what I mean? Like because oh, yeah. a lot of times people are grabbing that bar and thinking, "All right, can I do this one?" Yep. Whereas you're like, "No, I just did it." You know what I mean? So it's that viewpoint and that looking at it as a done really does
2: change things. So this is scalable too because we have the same uh, mode on here, dude. We're just going to be yes anding each other this whole time. Yeah, that sounds so- good to me. This is scalable as well, because then you can apply this to anything in life. You can apply this to opportunity, seeing things all around you that are to your benefit. And then they manifest as such, dude. But like you said, the visualization part of this is crucial. It's absolutely crucial. Mm hmm what about uh i'm very curious about channeling adversity because this is one of the things when it pops up we're all you know we uh talk about the uh, concept of alchemy here very much so about alchemizing the energies in front of you and it sounds like that you're on the same channel as well so tell us about channeling adversity from your perspective
0: so and you said something too that i want to point on in a couple of minutes so i don't want to I, don't, I i have a bookmark on that so remind me okay. um but like when when i look at it um like, like here, here's an example. Like, I don't know if you, do you follow football at all or no? No. Okay. Um, so this may be a bad example, but, ahead. Tom Brady just retired. And, and if you look at statistically, he is the greatest quarterback to ever play. Right. So his senior year of high school, he barely starts, right. He's barely a starting quarterback. He goes to college. He, uh, gets, uh, recruited to Michigan, the coach that recruits him leaves and you know is never coaches him. So then for three years he has to complete to compete to play. His senior year, they're like, you're the starter, dude. You got this. You're gonna be the starting quarterback. So then the coach Lloyd Carr brings in this other starting quarterback and he goes, you know what? You're only gonna start half the games. So then he gets in the NFL. He's drafted in the sixth round, which is really late, barely gets drafted, only plays because the quarterback ahead of him literally almost dies on the field. And He then, when he gets that opportunity, becomes the greatest quarterback of all time. Now, why is that important? Because he had to watch more film. He had to think faster. He had to learn better because he's slow. He can't throw the ball very far. So he had to learn all of these soft skills that people usually don't develop, right? The worst thing that can happen to a lot of football players is being a number one overall pick because everybody told you your whole life, you're the best. Mm. Everybody told you how great you are. You've never really had to work that hard because you've had natural talent. And when you become a professional, everybody's good, right? Everybody was an all-star somewhere. So when you get to that level, and this is when business and life and whatever it may be, when you get to that, to the top level, the things that matter most are soft skills and adversity and getting through it actually builds those soft skills right like how you treat other people what your mindset is how you approach things and it's the people that pay attention to those soft skills that become the best because everybody can be the best at the top but if you are thinking differently looking at things correctly and develop those skills you're really going to stand out That, that that's at least my viewpoint That those it's that half a percent better that you have to be in anything that most people are never really going to develop unless they're forced through something difficult to build those soft skills.
2: Did you nailed it with this? I'm going to ask you to pull that bookmark back up, but I want to comment on this before <laughs> I do. Uh, so you, you've absolutely nailed it with this. And the same thing with trees. We've talked about this on the show quite a bit or any plants, like if you grow them in a greenhouse environment where it's perfect, they're pampered, they've got like perhaps, I don't know, classical music playing or something like that it's different. They'll they'll live, but they won't thrive. You know what I mean? Yeah. You won't see their full, full potential. You'll see just a, a shitty copy of it. And uh, But wind and adversity and putting fans in that same greenhouse or exposing them to the elements and letting them get a good storm or animals pooping on them and rubbing on them and breaking branches and shit off. This is how you strengthen that by really digging those roots down. And it's the same uh, mentality with what you're talking about here, dude. So uh, well, yeah because I, w- so I was just talking to a guy.
0: Um, uh, I have a good friend that he's a, 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 th- a three tour army vet. And we were talking about like some of the really difficult, he he was in Iraq was was where he spent a lot of time. And he was talking about some of the most difficult firefight situations they were in. And he's like, the thing that's interesting is you get in a situation like that, the skill you actually build is being able to assume the viewpoint of others, right? Like, how is this other guy in my group doing? Or how's that civilian I have to worry about doing? Or how is this other thing doing? But you're not forced to develop that unless you're in a situation where everybody's going to die if you don't make the right decision. Right. And I think that is the true value in adversity.
2: Damn. I mean, and it's, it is it is because the cost is greater at that point. You know, it's more than just your ego or anything else. You know, you take yeah. it much more seriously. All right, I'm uh, tapping into your bookmark here. Go ahead and pull it. Let's hear it. So you were talking about your nephew and working on the farm. Um, I am a, so I I did a podcast
0: episode about this last week. I'm a big believer in the value of physical work and the value in what it can teach you and what it can learn from you. Um, We moved to this house about two years ago after being like, I'm not going to say we're in the city, but we're a little bit closer to the city. Now we're like totally out in the boondocks where it's pretty much, you know, Pennsylvania here. Um, And, you know, my daughters have to feed the chickens every morning and we handle the pig and we do all, there's all... Fix fences. There's a lot of work that gets done around here. And I think there's a couple different things about it. I think the best thing you can do for your mental health is physical work because the more physical work you're going to do, you're going to feel better about yourself because you're going to feel more confident. You're going to feel more able. And at the same time, there's the other part of it. You know, if the world ever does go to shit, like you're at least going to be more capable than the guy next door to us, you, so you could survive. Yeah. But I think physical work has so much value and we've lost so much of that right like we've lost so much of that because you look at people and they talk about well i have you know this many followers and you know this many whatever it may be but in actuality real confidence comes from competence right your ability to do something and do it well and achieve it right um you know i can build anything my wife asks me to um i can fix just about anything on my property and i think that to me it doesn't come from ego. That comes from competence and that's where the confidence comes from. So I'm just a big believer in physical work. I just wanted to add to what you are saying earlier.
2: You've absolutely nailed this, man. Uh, it's the most grounding thing living out here because we yeah. walk out. I've got, you know, tree limbs that fall during storms. Great. I got things to do now. I'll haul them down to the pile. You know I mean? There's so many things to do around here that I absolutely love it. So it is, it's, it's a trade-off, but I I absolutely empathize with what you said. And that's why this kid, when he comes here, he knows in the hundred and whatever degree Texas sun out here, it's not sit inside and watch movies the whole time. It's you're on a ranch, man. We got things to do. You know, there's animals, there's all of that. And it is, it it builds so much strength and character and you do become so confident. There've been silly things. I'm sure you live on property, you know, uh, away from. I town. don't have as much property as you though. So I don't well, want to like, no, sound it's sound like I'm, I'm, you're swinging a little bit of
0: a big bigger dick than me, it sounds like here. So,
2: <laughs> no worries. What I mean to say is, you live far. And if you have that sort of land, then you live probably a little further than you'd want to run real quick to the store. So, you kind of look oh, around the ranch. That's not possible. <laughs> exactly. So, you look around the ranch. We don't get delivery food out here, do y'all?
0: Amazon comes out here, um, Amazon but it's usually, does. It's,
2: it's usually a little bit more than two days. So Got gotcha. you. I meant like a pizza delivery or anything like that. Like Chinese food, we kissed bye-bye uh, delivery Chinese like eight years ago when we moved out. We've
0: never had Chinese delivery out here. Um, yeah. Pizza, yes, because pizza just kind of is, but like, um, I don't know, like there's not a Costco or anything like that, that, that here. So it's like, if you want to do that, you got to spend a couple hours
2: Yeah, exactly. And so to your point, whenever I moved out here the first year, we had this old mower that they left us. My first riding mower ever. And something happened to one of the battery terminal cables where the bolt broke and it couldn't Mm -hmm. connect anymore. So I was like, okay, I'm looking around this place and I found a U-bolt that had two threaded ends on it, but it was connected. So I grabbed my Dremel tool, cut that off real quick, found two bolts, connected it, dude, I'm throwing my hands up in an empty driveway, just yelling, I am all that is man. Because you figure <laughs> out a way to do something and you're just like, yes, I can, I can do anything. You feel so powerful and it is this physical labor, but also these mental challenges associated with it as well. It's awesome.
0: Yeah. And also like, to me, that's something to be really proud of. Like, um, so the, the way I had, you know what bilco doors are like
2: in a basement? Uh, one more time on the word.
0: Bilco doors when you no. go into a basement, they're like they're like the, the they're these usually these metal doors that you open them up and you go into your basement it's underground from the outside.
2: Oh, like and, uh, Wizard of Oz like the yeah, the, exactly, oh, okay. exactly I didn't know
0: they were called that. Thank you. okay, so the ones that are basement are a really weird size. so they're made of they're made of wood. And when we bought the house, they were kind of like slowly rotting and they caved in on themselves. So I went out and I bought uh, the thickest plywood you can get and I made these really cool doors and I built them and put them in and painted them up and everything and i bring my wife i am like, take a look i'm like look how fucking cool that is but to <laughs> me that's real do you know what i mean that's really yeah, cheap oh, something you made something you created you feel like you did it well enough that it's going to have some staying power and i just i don't think you get that from other things like cool you built a landing page or you did something online like those things are important but at the same time like building something real and physical in the un- physical universe that's pretty cool man
2: That's super cool. Same thing. I mean, I just watched YouTube videos, figured out how to frame just based on YouTube videos and framed up and built a huge barn. The barn's like three times the size of our house. I just threw it together out there. Yeah. So it's shit like that, but it's that confidence. Like that's what you know, confidence and is just series of successes, right? And so mm-hmm. getting people to take these small steps like what you're offering here and challenging folks to challenge themselves and to step out of this boring normal, get into your discomfort zone a little bit. But really, you'll find that it is so addicting that direction. It is so yes. damn addicting that you're just kind of hanging out in a whirlpool before. It's just so different, the mentality, right? Well, I think just, like, as a society, though, like, we've been told to, like, not do
0: things that, like, you don't want to fail or, you know, you don't want to have things happen. Dude, like, have you ever built anything without directions? Like, come <laughs> on, like, I, I cut the wrong hole, like, four times and eventually you line it up and you put some wood filler in there and you handle the thing and it looks fine. But, like, we've been told by society that, like, you don't want to fail so you know what happens you don't want to fail you don't try and when you don't try you don't improve like i think when you lose there's so much value in that because you learn how to not lose in that same way again um, or you learn how to get better next time but we've been told like it's okay you just participated you just showed up whatever it may be and it's like nobody gets better that way nobody becomes the best that way nobody like I don't know, man. We just become a bunch of losers that way.
2: It is. It's success, 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 success. It can't, it's not sustainable and it's not realistic because that means a couple of things you're not trying or you're not challenging yourself. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. It's like, you know, playing a video game on easy. It's like, you're never like, sure. You can score a bunch of points, but like, what is that? There's there's no value to you in that.
2: Yeah. There's substance in the challenge. What is it? The universe uh, rewards the risk takers. So absolutely. So I want to talk to you about passion. What's your uh, theory on passion?
0: I don't know if you're going to like this one or not, but I I think following your passion is one of the single dumbest things you can do. And this is why I say that because passion, when you look at it, like passion has to unite with the ability to make money, right? Like if you can't make money from it or can't find something exchangeable from it, you're not going to be able to do it very long. Um, So I'm, I'm a big believer in finding something you're good at and continue to work at it and work at it and work at it until you get really good at it and find a way to make it profitable. If you don't make it profitable, if you don't find a way to do something with it, then there really isn't a reason to have that thing. Do you get what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. it's when you look at it, I say that the following your passion is a passive process, right? Because you're following this thing. It is what it is. Finding your passion is an active process. You know, you do a lot of things. You failed a lot of things. You find something you're good at. You built a skill set and you can do that thing. But I think f- Th- this whole idea of because people have been sold a dream by the internet like you know follow uh find your your passion or follow your passion you're never gonna work a day in your life well that's that's just not true it's horseshit and I think what it comes down to is finding something you're good at getting so good at that thing that you can do something about that it comes from I got that idea a number of years ago from a book by Cal Newport called so good they can't ignore you he had actually I feel like there's like inception because his his book comes from a book he read he read a book called. Um, uh, by, by Steve Martin, about Steve Martin's life, the, the actor Steve Martin. They said, you know, Steve, how did you get to be so good? He goes, well, I just kept working at it. And one day I was so good, they couldn't ignore me. And I think that's how you have to look at it. But we've looked at it as like, oh, I'm passionate about this thing. I'm just going to keep doing this thing. And like, that may be great. And if you want to do it as a hobby, that's awesome. But if, if you really want to take something and, and make it your career um, or make it um, whatever it is that you're going to do with your life, it has to be something that aligns with profit right purpose has to align with profit or you just can't do it I, I don't know i don't know how you feel about that one but that's at least my viewpoint on it
2: i'm curious i i don't believe in the in money being the motivation to do anything like ever and so it's an interesting perspective that you bring well, up, it's something but we exchangeable as well right like because like nah.
0: like you know you know what i mean we exchange eggs with our neighbors for vegetables right like so like you know it works out for me i get vegetables i created eggs it doesn't necessarily have to be money but i think Money is the kind of the unit of exchange that we've all agreed upon at this point in time.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. And I would say then to that, that that is another thing that my neighbor and I do. Uh, we have extra eggs. He brings me cartons. We fill them up. And then now he has chickens. Right. He grows things in his garden that we don't. We swap it out. I I am more of a fan of that. But as far as like taking it as a motivator, I don't I don't think um, people's numbers, your Anything like basically the way that I've and and the way that I talk about this is with, let's say, the show, for example. Like, if no one listened to the show, I would absolutely still do it. And Mm -hmm. if no, if I was not getting paid and I needed to go do something else, I would absolutely still do it. And in my mind, that's passion. Now, um, as a result, it's been an expanded, huge thing that's resulted in so many more things than money. Yes, the money, but so many more things. And so by not, limiting myself to only doing it for cash or for exchangeable mm-hmm. goods in a quid pro quo way that yeah. uh, we have a different viewpoint on, but I respect yours. Absolutely. I, I appreciate that. I
0: yeah. I, I, I just want to add a little bit to that because I don't want to make it seem like it's just for the money. Like Because I think that's important and you need it to be able to survive or you need exchange to be able to survive. But I think too often people think I'm just going to do this thing and I'm going to get paid for existing in this thing. Do you get what I'm saying? That like they, they want someone, yeah. the, yeah. the idea I'm trying to, I'm trying to put across here is, and maybe I've done a bad job in explaining it. They want someone else to give them a license to survive or do that thing. They want to do. Do you get Not what I'm saying? I,
2: I get this, and wh- what I what I took from it uh, is is that it it really is about finding your balance to where the things in life that you need are provided for in a way that's in harmony. Now, uh, whenever I was doing the first, that's show, it right there. Yeah, when I was doing the first year of the show, dude, it, I was exhausted, man. it was a year and a, it was a year and a half of sleeping two and four hours a night if I was lucky, and I was exhausted, but I was chasing that paycheck. I was I was looking to replace my job with this. And it's Mm -hmm. whenever I abandoned that idea and really just went in flow with it, that that's when it, and, and to this point, it's really more of a law of attraction thing with me. It's more of a, what you focus on disappears. That's even a Zen thing, you know? And so doing it for that reason guarantees in my mind that you're not going to get it. But what it does do is it gets you to the right place mentally to where you find balance and freedom is what you were after all along. And that in my mind is where, where we've led with that.
0: Yeah. And it has to align with opportunity in some way. Do you know what I mean? Like, if, like, like if it's not going towards some sort of opportunity, like you do need some things to kind of sustain in this universe and live. And if you can't get them, it, it's going to be really hard, man.
2: Yeah. And that's it. And it's, and then at that point, then it's aligning to the opportunity and that's exactly. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, I, I'm also curious about your um, role of the ego in all of this. You know, a lot of folks are sitting here saying, kill your ego, slam its head in the door or something like that. What What are your thoughts? You know, here, here's, I, I I, think the tough thing about
0: this is, so I was raised like very, very Christian and like, um, I also like, I went to school for theology and everything else. And I think it's important to be a spiritual person. I think it's important to acknowledge that side of yourself. But I think at the same time saying you have to humble yourself for everything and saying like, you know, the ego shouldn't exist and things like that. Like it's trying to not be to get what I'm saying. Like it's uh-huh. trying to not be as a person or, or, or and it's making someone else or some other thing responsible for for you and who you are. So I think at the same time, like ego is important because ego makes you who you are. But at the same time, you have to check it a certain extent because you shouldn't be a dick to everybody. Do you get what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, like, I guess, so yeah. it's like, to, to, if you don't have an ego, you know, like, you know, it's ego as I am. And if you don't have it, you, you can't, you, you aren't really being in some ways. So I think it's important to to kind of look at that, but also realize like, how am I treating others? How am I getting along? And am I am I granting the right to others to be, right? Because you can have an ego and you can be who you are if you're granting others the right to be and exist. And I think far too often, we see this, I think, especially in politics, right? Like, like you don't get to be president or senator or whatever it may be by not being so full of yourself. It's incredible. And I think when you get to that level, you start squashing others' ability to be. So you have to kind of look at like, Ego is who I am. Right. But when I'm taking that, am I becoming a jerk because of that? And am I not granting others the ability to be and be who they are? Um, I hope that doesn't sound way too esoteric, but like that's that's kind of my viewpoint and how I look at that.
2: Brother, I'm not sure we're all living in the same reality and we talk about it all the time. You go as (laughs) esoteric as you'd like, man. And now I'm just curious, uh, how did Caesar convince people that he was a god? Your your thesis and okay, the way, this I is pretty written. I had this written down to ask you about, by the way, because I've never heard of a master's in early Roman Empire propaganda. Because again, the the fact that you're so aware that they were bullshitting everyone is something that you majored in. I think that that's amazing. Please continue.
0: So I've read this um this like really obscure article. Uh, it was by this um this priest named uh, Father Cuthbert Leati. It was written like 1902 or something like that. And this article is like. So after the Battle of Actium, Actium is where um, Augustus and Mark Antony face off and uh, Augustus beats him. And he's like, yeah, I'm the man now. I'm going to go be an emperor. Um, so like after winning that, he goes to Alexandria, which is where um, the mummified body of Alexander the Great was as a sarcophagus there for people to kind of like worship. So he goes to, Ale- to Alexandria. He bows down before the sarcophagus of Alexander and praise. I was like, well, that's weird because Romans have their own gods. I'm like, and it, it doesn't have anything to do with Alexander the Great. I'm like, that's really strange. So I did a lot of research on that. And what I noticed is there was a lot of Augustus after that point in his life, Augustus up to that point was Gaius Octavius. There was a lot of up to that point, And after that point, he starts positioning himself as the new Alexander. I was like, wow, that's really interesting. So he's like, if these people are praying to this guy, then I can figure out how to get them to pray to me. Then I've transcended to become God because you have to understand about, about Alexander the great in history. He's a very, very interesting character from the perspective of he's this Macedonian Greek that goes and conquers Babylon. And he observed a lot why he did this. Um, the Babylonian emperor, there was um, a, a, I hope this isn't too much for you because it's like, it's, this is, this is some deep stuff, oh, uh, but to like understand it, you need the full concept. So, When you worship the Babylonian emperor who was seen as a god, you did something called proskinesis. And that's not the idea of just kneeling in front of somebody, that you lay your entire body on the floor in front of them because they are so holy you can't even stand up to them. So Alexander's like, I'm going to make everybody do that in front of me. So he adopted this from Babylon where he had all these people do proskinesis in front of him, bow on the ground in front of him. And then a couple of years down the road, they conquer Egypt and the Egyptian ruler, the pharaoh, is seen as a god. So um, he goes to the um, Oracle at Zeus Amon, which is uh, in a part of Egypt. And because the Pharaoh seems the son of God, he walks in and the Oracle greets him as greetings, son of God. And he's like, oh, son of God, I like that. So he lives his whole life then from that point. Like, you know, I'm having people bow in front of me. I'm God. And he looks for a lot of these different like. This different imagery right because imagery has so much power so he uses this imagery so caesar is very or caesar augustus is very aware of this because he had watched this competition in his life between his adopted father julius caesar and pompey the great and because what's really important to worship is people can't just worship you because they fear you they have to love you and that's what pompey did differently than caesar caesar um like Romans had always found a way to connect themselves to like their gods as like, you know, like, Hey, I'm, I'm descended from the goddess Venus, right? Like, no, you're not, but they you, they think you are. So Caesar had connected himself to, to, um, to the goddess Venus through Venus ventrix or Venus of victory. And people were like, oh, he, he was trying to use this to show people that he was spirit. He was, he was like this godly figure. And they're kind of like, I don't believe that. That seems pretty obscure. And then you have Pompey on the other side of it because these two guys were competing for who's more popular, who's like, I'm the new Alexander. I conquered Europe. I conquered Africa. I conquered this. I conquered that. So people were having parades for Pompey. They were bowing down in front of Pompey because they loved him and he positioned himself as Alexander. So then when Caesar kills Pompey, Caesar eventually gets killed by the the Roman people. And then when Augustus becomes a ruler, he goes, okay, I've observed this. I need to be Alexander. So he spends the next 80 years of his life creating imagery around worshiping Alexander and how it connects to him. And then every Roman emperor for the next 400 years after them does the same thing. So that's where it comes from.
2: Damn. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's so interesting because it's, I guess the horseshit just continues and especially with the Caesars. Have you heard of Caesar Borgia? Cesare, Cesare Borgia. Yeah,
0: there you go. He was, so he was the first, um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that he's one of my favorite historical characters because he was first of all he was a maniac um but like he is the um the son of uh alex pope alexander the sixth um and um the illegitimate son of pope alexander the sixth so alexander the sixth makes him a cardinal and he was actually the first person to ever um give up his cardinal's robe and then become this like crazy condottieri which is like a the uh, Italian cowboy, basically, where he's like conquering shit. Awesome. Yeah, so I'm Italian I'm very aware, aware cool of Cesare shit. Borgia.
2: <laughs> but wasn't he the guy that had his son painted to look like Jesus? And this is where we yes. get the image of Jesus, but it was to deify himself. Because That's correct. By, so by proxy, oh, if my son's Jesus and this is the image, you know that everybody's yes. given, then I'm God.
0: Yes. Yeah, so, so Alexander the Rodrigo Borgia. Um, then he, at that time, he has all the painters uh, painting his son Cesare. In the imagery of Christ so the blonde hair blue-eyed Christ that you know has the hair and everything like you've seen like up until that point that wasn't the imagery but you're the Pope and you could put that out there and you can change a lot of things that is where all the
2: images of Christ that we're familiar with come from
0: and this is from Cesare Borgia
2: so fascinating is this early Roman Empire propaganda it's, it's all yes. bullshit and I it's mean, always it the just... Romans
0: man <laughs> God. <laughs>
2: But it's it's done so much now damage or help or whatever is subjective right but it's just yeah. done so much that it's just it's just fascinating to me dude. so thank you for walking us through that honestly that was yeah. fascinating <laughs> i'm grateful <laughs> Yeah, I I I appreciate you letting me get a little on the weeds in that one because I don't usually. So, (laughs) well, let's get a little on the weeds with the rest of the time we have here. Anyhow, uh, I want to know what your thoughts are on aliens and stuff. I mean, we're seeing them rolled out in the news right now. There's all these things coming out, and a lot of military officers being paraded around on camera, telling you that they're they're here and that they're a threat. I'm just curious what your thoughts are.
0: I'm a big Eric Von Daniken fan, so I've I've read a lot of his stuff, The Chariots of the Gods, and stuff like that, and. I don't know, man. Like, I I think really um, they've been around for a really long time, and because we had to come from somewhere, right? Like, so I I I think I'm trying to remember what was uh, there was the book that didn't make
2: it in the Bible. Which one was that? There were a couple of Gnostic gospels, like the Book of Thomas. Enoch. Enoch. The book of yep. the book of Enoch and Enoch's um, referenced in the Bible, which is crazy. Yes.
0: Yeah. So, like, if if you've read stuff about Enoch and you've read kind of like you know, the, the seed of man coming from, you know, aliens basically growing us and stuff like that. I'm a big believer. And there's gotta be some truth to that because if you look in different cultures, they have some form of that, right? It's even if you look at, um, what is that? That story, the, the story that's the same as Noah's Ark, but it's Babylonian, um, Gilgamesh, Gilgamesh? the Epic of Gilgamesh. Like there's these stories, just like the zeitgeist that go through every single culture. And if you look at a lot of these ancient aliens stories, they're in every single culture. And to me, that says something, right? We have some sort of memory of this. We have some sort of experience of this. Um, So I, and I'm a big believer of, it has something to do with nuclear power that might sound kind of crazy, but I think kind of like we've destroyed this civilizations before. And they're kind of watching what we're doing related to nuclear power, and they're like, "Oh, we should probably step in. These guys are going to kill themselves again." You know what I mean? I, yeah, that, might what yeah, like it, yeah. that might sound crazy. Now, yeah, like it might sound crazy, but there's to, to me, I I think it has something to do with, you know, they set this whole place up, um, and you know, maybe or maybe not, they were getting resources from it or whatever. But like, I think we're starting to see some stuff because they're a little f- afraid we're going to blow stuff up, and that's at least my opinion.
2: Yeah, Solace, the dude that was on base whenever all the nukes were being turned off, you know, he says that uh, the aliens or whatever they are kind of look at us like they've with nukes, like they've given matches to children, you know, like we should not yes. have them. And so a lot of contactees say this as well, that they come back with these reports, exactly what you've intuited here, that we shouldn't be dicking with that kind of stuff because, yeah, we can't look at what we do to ourselves, but also maybe that has a power that reaches into their dimension. We've heard about this as well.
0: Well, if you look at, too, like like civilizations that have risen and fallen, um, There's uh, Plato's Republic and Plato's Republic. He talks a lot about um, the civilization of what we've learned, what we've come to call Atlantis. And, you know, there's this massive destruction that happens um, and everything else. But there's this other work uh, of about the Mycenaeans, which relates actually more closely to this. And they talk about these sea peoples coming in and conquering the Mycenaeans. And they just said, Mycenae is an island off of Greece. And it was one of the earliest, they had some of the earliest language. It was called Linear A and Linear B. Um, And um, there's this strange story about these people that just came out of the sea and conquered the Mycenaeans. And they all disappeared. Nobody's seen them ever since. So, like, to me, there's a lot of civilizations that just disappear, the Aztecs. Was there their illness and things like that? There might have been, but it's strange that a whole civilization has wiped off the face of the earth. So you look at these different civilizations that disappeared, they, something had to happen, man. And I think what happened it may not exactly be nuclear power, but we get to the point where some really extreme power suppression or something like that comes up. And I think they're kind of like, all right, we got to stop these guys again. They're going way too far. At least that's my opinion. I don't think aliens are bad. I think they kind of set this thing up and they're kind of jumping in whenever the shit starts to hit the fan. Yeah,
2: it's interesting. Uh, I'm wondering what their level of step in means, like where our shit hits the fan. Cause we rolled through a couple of things. I mean, the Holocaust comes to mind, you know, a couple of those things where it's like, when are they going to step in? You know, it's an interesting uh, paradigm when we talk about this, like save your thing. Yeah. If they're going to really, if anyone's going to come save you or not. And, but like you, um, I, I don't think so, and so I feel that you are the commander of this reality and of your ship, and that if some mm-hmm. aliens come down, then they'll at least know that we have our shit together, and that we won't yeah. need to be protected. You know?
0: Yeah, and it's like I don't know, man. I think they'd look at us and be like, "Really, you guys are that obsessed with your phone?" Do you know what I mean? Like we've become a. I feel like we're a
2: bad experiment at this point. <laughs> it's an interesting point you put. What do you? What are your thoughts on simulation? Like that we're maybe just like a, a three-year-old dimensions version of like a, a science experiment sitting on their you know, closet or pinned to a refrigerator somewhere because her mom just can't throw their C plus work away, you know?
0: I, I heard a conversation about this recently. I'm like, oh my God, that sounds so plausible because everybody's talking about like Elon Musk wanting to go to Mars. And um, like, imagine, imagine I was I was actually on an episode, I don't know if you've ever heard of TimCast, but it's an yeah. episode, episode of TimCast. They're talking about, um, imagine that like, we've actually been in the metaverse forever. Right. And we're like traveling in the metaverse and going to this other planet and we have to populate it. And when you think when we get there, right, you have to have people that have had life experience. They know how civilization worked. And you're actually just a baby in a spaceship. Like that would be some wild shit, man. Yeah. Um, but like at the same time, like even like the I I, I'm, I think of the whole thing with the internet with simulation theory. Um, like when you look at the internet, I think, or dead internet theory, sorry, because if you look at it, there's so much AI and bots and things like on the internet, they're saying like, there's actually a small percentage of the action you see is real. So like, I, I'm just, I, I'm just not really sure, man. I think reality, reality is a kaleidoscope of a bunch of different things, you know?
2: <laughs> yeah. To that point then with what you said about the dead internet thing, what do you think about that being possible for this reality? If it is a simulation, do you think that everyone here is real, real people? inhabitable characters let's say
0: i think there's some i think that and i'm just going to say this from my experience have yeah. like have you met people that you're like bro there's like nobody home like bro. what is going on here those are npcs i think there are some non player characters in this universe you know what i mean and i so i i i think it's very plausible that we are in some sort of a some sort of a alternate reality or some sort of a simulation because i've just i've met so many people that like i'm like how do you remember to breathe you know what I mean? Uh, like I've met some people like that. So like I, I think it is
2: very plausible there's some non player characters out there. I love that. I just uh, I had a friend actually got two high ones. She just reminded me of this. He got two high ones, and we're sitting there. Dead silent, and all of a sudden, I hear him go. And I was like, "What happened?" He goes, "I forgot to breathe." I don't know. I was like, "Oh my god!" And that's what I picture. It's like you're standing. I don't in know. The wait, my, at the my, DMV. my automatic
0: ner- my my
2: automatic nervous system does that for me. I don't have to think about it, man. I know it's like you were actively thinking of not breathing. You know, to do that, right? It, it, yeah. That's what you picture. It's like you're in the DMV or something like that. And you just hear this this mouth breather behind you. You're just like, "Come on, man!" But we're it's sweet like to only- everybody because everybody's sweet. The only time I'm ever cognizant of that was like
0: when I have a cold or something, and you have to like keep yourself breathing through your mouth so like you don't like suffocate. But that's that's about it.
2: <laughs> that's where you wear the shirt. I'm not an NPC. I just have a cold. I'm purging.
0: Yeah. yeah, I I think that's very believable because I've met some people that I'm like, there is no way this person's not an NPC.
2: Yeah, and it's interesting. It's not like a shot either. It's not like uh, we're talking shit about people. It's there's a, no there's no no, a, no yeah yeah yeah. There's a there's a res- there's a recognition, you know, just sort of like in an animal where you can see like an animal, a domesticated one has a glint. There's a there's a mm-hmm. connection there that you, that can be made, and maybe in the wild in some instances, but but really there's something there you can see it, and it's all in the eyes, which is wild, man.
0: Yeah, like it's. Po- Do you think it's possible? Because like I've thought about this, like. Not like that. Not every person has a soul in that way. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, like, cause you meet somebody and like, you're like, okay, they're, they're definitely alive. There's definitely some intelligence there, but it just, they don't seem like vibrant and real. And do you, do you know what I'm saying? Like, like I'm just really curious if like not, You know, simulation or not, like if every being here actually has a soul of some sort.
2: It's interesting. We'll bring aliens back into this. Reports (laughs) from contactees say that the greys actually view us as uh, vessels. So this body may just be a vessel. And then you think about the walk-in phenomena where you have other people, they'll get in like a horrible car wreck and lose a limb or something. And they're just like, dude, I'm tapped out some other entity, maybe some other version of them or something will say, you know what, I'll step in and finish your life for you. So you have mm-hmm. all these cases of this kind of thing to where it really boils down to, so what the fuck is going on here? And I'm with you with this, dude.
0: And you know, you know, it's fi- funny though, I where I struggle in these conversations, I've read way too much shit that I have to remember <laughs> which line of thinking this comes from so anyway well, it all you know and
2: th- that's a fun <laughs> one that we talk about too it's that uh you know do you think that um everybody here if they are if they if these are just vessels then you would say that maybe they're just some autopilot npc type people running around and maybe like this thing that's being observed now this wake up if you want this um, age of aquarius is basically those bodies that have just been kind of on autopilot here being inhabited by souls because i've heard people mm-hmm. talk about their spiritual awakening In a sense to where they're like, oh, my God, I don't remember my life past my spiritual awakening like before, almost like they were a walk in experience. So then you could say, well, perhaps this has all been on autopilot uh, versions of things and that this population of like you's and me's here who are figuring this out. We spread this awareness. It entices inhabitation into that avatar, if you will, of more folks here, more like people, more characters that are animated, but also have the life, like you said.
0: But I think also like trauma can make people not experience that either. You know what I mean? Like, cause like, like you imagine like having some terrible trauma, you just may not want to go back on the time track with something like that and never experienced it again. So it's, I think there's kind of two different ways to look at that. Like, you know, like that's maybe an interesting may, concept right? because, because like, maybe you be-
2: zip out, maybe you yeed out and just have the body go autonomous.
0: Yeah. Cause like, you're like, I don't want to play this game anymore. Like, I, I don't know. I think that's possible.
2: Yeah. Think about uh, to what you said too. the traumatic events. People say they left their body, you know, maybe some people just don't come back. I,
0: so I, in, I'm trying to think how many years ago this was, like 2006, um, I had a super, was supposed to be super minor knee surgery and um, they killed me. Um, and Well, sort of killed me. I spent three days on like, you know, like all these machines and stuff like this. And like, I had this experience of like leaving my body and it's the weirdest thing because what happens like, at least for me, I'm, I don't know if it's different for everybody, but like what happens for me, is like you're not confined to a space anymore if that makes sense like 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 i'll put it this way like right now you're in a room right allegedly yeah allegedly like for me like i was the room i could feel everything i could experience everything i could i could feel everyone's emotions i could it was the strangest but the weirdest thing is having total recall on it yeah so like like i had this really interesting like out-of-body experience It was like gosh like 20 years ago now but like it was wild. Cause it's like, you're not in the room. You are the room. As weird as that sounds like you, you, you experience and feel everything and you're not confined to anything because you're kind of like infinite, not finite.
2: Yeah. What's well, interesting. was So did you go beyond the room or just the room? I, I just was in.
0: I just was that space. I didn't really leave that space for some reason. I want to like. I don't know if I felt like I was protecting my body there or something like that. But I was like, I can't leave this guy.
2: Yeah, what's well, interesting? It's sort of a stair step, and I've I have heard this and recently actually that some folks don't go all the way to the like meeting of the ancestor and your grandma in the tunnel of light. No, I shift. didn't.
0: I didn't like leave that and like go someplace. But like you know, like I got last rites and all this kind of stuff. And like like they're like you know, it's we'll see how it goes. No, no brain activity, all that fun stuff.
2: Wow. But the fact that you inhabited that entire space is something that you hear. It's a localized sort of detachment, but you kind of hang around. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So and I have recall on it, which is bail. weird.
0: Yeah. I have recall on it, which is weird. Cause it's like, I, I'm not ready to go anywhere yet. So like, I'll just kind of hang out here or like, whoa, like what's that happening? You know, you know what I mean? It's like, you can kind of, you can feel everything, like not just your emotions, but also other people's, which is really interesting. How did that change your perspective? As weird as it sounds, it did not. It really? didn't change my perspective at all in the slightest. And it wasn't until that experience of like almost losing my mom in 2012, that actually made me look at it because like, holy fuck, man. Like, I don't know, because in that moment, I'm like, I'm not going to die, whatever. Um, but like when somebody else like literally almost dies in front of you, that to me, that, sh- that shocked me. That shocked the hell out of me because it was like, I think it's much harder when it's something outside of yourself than when it's yourself right? Because I think it's in a lot of ways, you feel infinite and you feel invincible and whatever it may be. And it it didn't do anything for me. And I've heard other people say the opposite where it was like, you know, I woke up and I knew like, I was going to like go change the world, whatever it may be. I'm like, I just woke up and I want a bagel. Like that's how bad it was. And I, and like, but it wasn't until like almost losing my mom that like that actually like changed me. Like that was pretty crazy.
2: Are you a psychonaut at all? Do you do psychedelics or have you ever? I've never known. Okay. I was just curious because that kind of perspective can be offered with several psychedelic experiences. You're just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. everything's fucking weird and whatever. And I'm cool with it. Yeah. No, it's I've never done that. Interesting. It's a fascinating perspective, man. Well, we're glad you're here. You know, we're glad you shook it off and came back. Uh, well, <laughs> I tell you what, <laughs> I, I don't fr- know if you expected that one. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, I honestly, it's part of the four agreements that a uh, great book by Don Miguel Ruiz. I have yeah. no expectations and it's a beautiful yeah. way to roll with it. Cause it I don't, um, limit myself to the possibility so actually this is a beautiful surprise which i'm always here for so thank you so i uh, do want to close out all the ways again to find you brother are going to be located down in the show notes your book of course uh from our R- unremarkable to extraordinary 2022 book located down there as well as create your own life podcast dude you're fascinating you're invited back any damn time but before we leave and i'll give you the last word on this uh what gets you out of bed every morning what gives you hope and keeps those breaths coming and going for you it's changed for me a lot in
0: the last four years because now I've got kids. So, like, um, I have these two amazing daughters that, like, you know, my four-year-old's like an 11-year-old. I don't know how to describe it. So, like, you know, like, they, it's I'm really just excited to, to hang out with them and do things with them and provide for them. And it's changed a lot. Like, you know, I would say before, like, my fitness goals and everything else and all these things I'm doing and whatever. But, like, it really is about my kids now.
2: Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Jeremy Slate, thank you you so much, my friend. We'll do it again. Hey, absolutely, man. Just want to take a moment and thank that awesome dude, Jeremy Ryan Slate, for coming by and hanging out. Of course, all the ways to find his book, his podcast, all that type stuff are located down in the show description down there. So you guys take a gander there to connect with him further. Now, also wanted to mention our affiliate links. Now, guys, we have some aligned partnerships that we are incredibly, incredibly proud of. And so we just want to take a moment here to talk about those. Of course, we have Food Forest Abundance. Get Your Freedom From Fear on. That is the oldest affiliate that we have, or the longest running, I would say, the one that we've been a part of the most. Absolutely grateful to Jim Gale and his project for what they do over there, as well as Opus, the Organization for Paranormal Understanding and Support. Lester Velez and his team can help you out like crazy, guys. I love them. Also, Dewey Taylor and the Manifestor's Guide. This absolutely changed my life. Y'all know I've talked about this. Check it out for 10% off at Expanding Reality, all caps, no spaces at checkout. Also wanted to talk about, of course, the Wish unit that Dr. Doug Matsky and his team at Coherent Spaces have set up for us. The link is down there if you guys are interested in learning more or getting one of your own. It has changed the vibe of this place, and we are so grateful for it. Definitely check it out if you're interested. Also wanted to mention a couple of new things here, along with, of course, Phi Tribe's new website, Five Tribe 369. Guys, go check that thing out. A lot of new cool stuff going on over there. If you haven't signed up yet, make sure that you do so. Along with that, we have the Luminous Education Project. Now, definitely check that link out down there below. This is with a Dr. Edith Mbutu-Chan, and, and it is a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. This is part of the Conscious Parenting Network that we have been talking about and this is something you guys should really check out located down in the show notes as well as just detoxing yourself is incredibly important christian yordanoff has a 30 percent off detox workshop with the link that is provided in the show description we've also got christian coming up on an episode coming up soon you guys are going to love this dude make sure that you also check out my episode on his show changing minds it's unbelievable One more thing to mention here. We have been offered an incredible opportunity at the Conscious Awakening Network to host a two-hour live spot on their platform every Friday night. This is from 8 to 10 central on Friday nights and it's for all of them so they've already begun make sure that you check the link down there to check that out and it's very exciting we're incredibly grateful Amy Belair uh, and surprise guest was our first round up there and it was fun we've got uh, them booked out quite a ways, so make sure that you guys check that out link down there in the show description and it's just an awesome network we are super grateful to be a part of it so uh, yeah I, I think that that actually wraps it up for this time guys and thank you so much for being here and supporting and if you've made it this far I'm incredibly grateful for you for being so aligned and just hearing what we have to say over here. Now, to that point, let's cap it off here by, of course, just reminding you all, that uh, go out into this incredible, beautiful place, whatever the fuck this thing is, and pick up a piece of litter. Maybe, you know, be nice to everybody that you come across. Uh, go ahead and buy somebody in line around you a coffee or a meal, something like that. It goes a you know small way out of your pocket, but a massive way into the ripple effect there. And then above all and anything else, get out of the left-hand lane if you've got somebody behind you wanting to pass. And of course, y'all go out into this incredibly amazing place, above all and anything else, for real, for real. And y'all just be good to one another. Thank you so much for watching, listening, engaging, participating, and just being the coolest deliberate creators out there. We love y'all.
1: We'll see you next time. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator.